Next up on Visual Wow. That is what event planning is to be able to make someone else's dreams come true, but also make sure it's done right. Take the skills that you have and see where you can apply them. It's, you know, sometimes we have to get outside of our box, which is exactly what I did. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Visual Wow. The podcast for people passionate about live events. We're obsessed with creating and capturing those wow moments. This is the place the top pros come to share their secrets. Now, here's your hosts, Jack Hartsman and Monica Vidal. Greetings, Visual Community. Welcome back. Uh, I am on the back patio today with Monica and Debbie Katz-Holt. Very exciting day today uh, uh, for the Visual Podcast. And as you know, we don't follow all the rules. We are outside. The dogs could run by barking. The lawnmowers in the front yard could come back to the backyard. So we're just going to roll through it and have a good time. It's a blue sky day. It's got to be about 70 degrees out here. It couldn't be. It's, I feel like we're in San Diego, but on the East Coast. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So good to see you, Monica and Jack. Welcome, welcome. And yes, we do have Bailey and Moko, who are our biggest fans, who might have some words to say during our show, <laughs> but uh, that's how we roll. So, Debbie, uh, I know you as a party planner, uh, event producer. Uh, we have been, our lives have been intertwined for probably more decades than we wish to admit. Uh, I, uh, I think we just figured out that I started working for your mother, uh, the incomparable Sue Katz, uh, probably when I was 21 or 22 years old. And um, it's just amazing when, when we think back on, on that legacy that throughout this, I'm hoping through this interview and many of the interviews that we do on Visual Wow come back to incredible relationships, in, in this case, all but adult lifelong relationships, trust, mm-hmm. uh, and communication. And so you have gone through a lot. You have gone through major illness in your life. You have gone through major recovery. Thank God for the illness part of your life. You are a author. You are an author. My daughter would correct me. She would be (laughs) devastated if I said that improperly on the air. But honey, I corrected myself on the air. Uh, You are an author. um, And you kind of went out of the event industry. You uh, went into the federal sector, in the government sector. And now I'm sitting in front of you with the sun beautifully backlighting your hair. I'm a photographer. I'm allowed to say things like that. And I'm looking at you with a Y yoga hat on. Um, else, woga. 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 I'm going to call it a W yoga. Okay. Woga. Um, and, and I think the most important thing about everything that you've gone through recently is that you're a, a newlywed again and you have just gotten married to a wonderful guy that I, I also kind of warm up about the fact that I was kind of there when that whole first date started thing and um, which also comes back to one of our charities with Luke's Wings because it was at the Luke's Wings Gala with your friend Lindsay Gill. He was a keeper in my book, but yeah, I mean, you, so you, you know, the way we have helped each other in our lives, you you uh, introduced us to Lindsay and the great work that Luke Swings does. Mm-hmm. That's where I saw you walk into a gala one year, like with a halo over your head, with Eric under your arm. And then this past June, um, we were able to be there and photograph that wedding for you. Uh, and here we are. During these wonderful times of, of COVID, you know, and, and the virtual uh, portion of your wedding is something that, uh, you know, came up so last minute. 
Absolutely, it did. In fact, we weren't going to do that part of the wedding because I didn't know how to do it. And then uh, you, you and Jack basically said, "Let us do it," you know. <laughs> and I'm like, if as long as I don't have to pick up a phone or an iPad, because I literally it was so important once we made the decision to have the wedding that I was truly in the moment and I didn't want to be distracted. And you took it and ran with it. Well, I, you know, again, it comes back to to the trust issue. Um, we had had a, a, a less than stellar uh, family affair wedding two weeks before your wedding, three weeks before your wedding. And the, after Memorial Day weekend, we put our heads together in the office about how we could do it better. We wrote it out on paper. We had all the technology. We had all the know-how. We just didn't have a wedding to test it on. And you were getting married in the middle of June. And I, I just remember looking at my colleagues across the table from me, and I'm like, you know, Debbie's getting married in a couple of weeks. Let me... I, I, I don't know. And I, I, I just remember picking up the phone and saying, do you mind if we hijack your wedding and test something? And I knew that you were involved with Zoom and, and the virtual world from mm-hmm. yoga. And um, it made such sense to me. And I have, I, I tell you, I talk the story literally every week when I'm talking to new brides. You are a person who is very comfortable with, with Zoom and with the virtual world, yet you wanted to be a bride. Mm-hmm. And you didn't want to do that. And your main concern, I think, is something that resonates with you know every family that since your wedding we have spoken to, is that they do not want to be, whether it's you, the bride, the groom, or the family, the people that, the other members that are coming into the Zoom session, the virtual session, um, are relying on. So we became that go-to uh, bridge, you know, to make sure that you guys could be in the moment. Uh, we, you know, so we facilitated. So all those notes went into, you know, into what we now do at virtual events. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so important that people understand that, that it's just like a, a planner, or an event producer. Now you're a virtual producer. It's oh, 100%. And you're right. I remember saying, like, not only do I not want to do it, but I don't want my mom to Zoom in my brother, you know, first of about CD cats trying to zoom in anybody is scary but but you know my I knew my brother wasn't coming and my cousins that live in um, California and Colorado and my friends that live in Florida I just wanted everyone there to be in the moment and um, and I also knew that I couldn't do that I didn't want to do it but I also knew that was something I didn't want to do and the fact that you know I knew I trusted you both like your whole operation and I knew that you would make it happen and I I think in in life you have to do that you need partners that you know you can trust and hand it off to because um, I didn't want to do it and I can't do everything the so. unifying thread I think here and Jack has already mentioned it is relationships mm-hmm. I mean whatever we're going through before during after the relationships will get you through you know right. and you really have to keep on top of those mm-hmm. absolutely I I, agree. I, I think the most special thing is because I know so much of your family and have for so many years that the the people on the Zoom session they were able to see you and the love that they got to share with you like they were standing in the backyard and, and not to leave out the fact that you and Eric just moved into a magnificent home <laughs> in the lovely township of Washington Grove, Maryland which is like this tranquil um, uh, just this perfect spot a little teeny town that nobody knows about that's literally <laughs> no stuck between about. Rockville and Gaithersburg <laughs> I've lived there since 1975 yeah, you, you and I had on the other side no of the tracks. idea I'm thinking <laughs> where 
are you? No, we we biked. Uh, now it'll be almost three years ago. We we went biking, and I'm on my little e bike, you know, and he's on his regular bike, and I'm like, and we landed there across off of Shady Grove Road. I'm like, where are we? And we literally said, we want to live here. We want to raise the kids here. We want to raise ourselves, our second life, part of our life there. We're literally in a forest, like it's a neighborhood. So peaceful in a forest. It's very peaceful. Having had manicured lawns and you know manicured neighborhoods and everything just so it feels good to not need that and not have to have that and well, yeah. you know oakmont comes off a of shady grove road for those of you who are in the community and most of us in the event community we get as far as edge floral and and if you're hungry you get all the way to hershey's for their incredible fried chicken right. and then <laughs> or, or, or to go hear bands play there uh, like mine uh, like my 80s band plays there uh but but yeah you you get as far as Hershey's and then you stop. But if you go three blocks further, you get to Debbie and Eric's house, right, which is just right. totally awesome. Yeah. Um, so, um, Debbie, you, you, your whole life, not like different than my kid's life, your whole life was about events because you were raised mm-hmm. in an event house. Uh, your mom was a pioneer in, in the industry here in the D.C. area. Um, she was a mentor to so many people that, that uh, became legends on their own, but it all started you know, uh, between Rita and your mom, mm-hmm. uh, Rita Bloom for credit for that, for creative parties and, and Sue Katz for, uh, for what she started. They were, they're their legacies. They're, they're legends. Uh, and, and, and thankfully legends that are still here, that they just transcend everything that we are all about today. And you Sarah, certainly carried on your mom's teachings and then you walked away from all this. I did. <laughs> And, and how, it's a little bit by accident. <laughs> well, give, give us a little so background. I'll give you a little background. Happen? So um, being, as you said, in the event business from when I was, my mom started in 1977, so I was 11 years old. And so I was with her on the weekends, making balloon arches, uh, folding napkins, taking out favors. Um, and she... For the listening audience, yes. that, that is one of our two dogs <laughs> who has probably thrown his ball over the fence As that's, I will that's our that's uh that is our dog moco who, like, who is who is wanting to make it known that his ball is not where he wants it to be uh so and, and his sister is looking at us like yeah, like, like, for, like, <laughs> like like don't you know what i'm talking about so i was doing events and and loving it and really loving the uh creative side to it um and then uh, in 2014, I got separated, um, and I had been married for almost 14 years. Um, and I did a party for someone. I did a, it was more it was a corporate event. I did a corporate event, and a few weeks after that, this person um, let me know that there was an opening within a federal agency as a contractor. And I said, "Well, I'm not looking for a job," and you know. And they said, "Well, do you know someone that is?" And so I contacted a few of my friends, and this person called me back and said, I didn't hear back from your friend. We know what you do. Why don't you come in? So they wanted me to come in for the interview. And um, again, I said to them, no resume, not looking for a job. I actually had events like lined up pretty heavy for the following year. And I, but they're like, just come in. So I went in and I got the job. <laughs> Long story short. And it was an admin job. No surprise. Thank you. Well, it was, it was interesting because I thought I could do both. I thought I could continue doing my events and... And this job, which seemed very simple, it was an, you know, 
know, supporting one one part of the program um, in an administrative role. And I figured, well, you know, on my breaks. So in that period of the first year, I had one of my largest weddings that I've ever had. I booked um, Kelly Pickler for a corporate event. <laughs> and of course, I was doing all of this on my breaks, going to tastings after work. Um, and my mom finally said to me, she's like, you need to make a decision. Like you need to either keep doing the events or say goodbye and do this. So it was really her, which it's always been her. Isn't it always our mother? It's always her. You have her. a Jewish mother for the beginning. You <laughs> yeah. have a Jewish mother for life. I mean, life. she's literally living in Florida, like they're in summer camp, but she notices from that far away, you know, that you can't do it, that you you can't can't do it do all. It all. Yeah. And, and, and the job at the point um, within this agency wasn't, wasn't that difficult. And so I could work on, on my off time, but I was running ragged. I was working Monday through Friday, which, and then I was working all weekend. I remember trying to get in touch with you during those yeah, times. Yeah, it was and, hard. Okay, my uh, text a little text message. I was like, I, I can't lunch talk. break is in 20 minutes, or I'll call yeah. you after five. Right, because I, I was serious that I would, you know, I knew I had to, you know, do my event stuff on my own time and I respect I had to I had to that was a rule that I you know drew the line for myself so I think it was after I had like the biggest wedding um, that I finally said you know what I'm going to see where this goes, this job. As a contractor, you know, it was, it was income, honestly, it was income that I could count on um, and, and benefits. And I said, I'm just going to do it. And so I slowly phased out of the events. Um, and I didn't want like a big, like, I'm out, you know, drop the mic. It was more <laughs> just a slow goodbye because that's more my personality and I still would take calls from they're like from clients who became friends and like but you're still going to help me right and I'm like no I can't <laughs> I said I really just have to like once I made the decision it was important to honor that decision and see where it goes and when I did that I started uh, they started to give me more projects and they're like oh you can do this so more of like the skill set that I had I guess by choosing to commit all of my you know time to the new job, um, it was noticed. And well, you so, were also able to open up your focus, yeah, right? So that it can encompass it yes. and more I, of your tools, of yes. your planning tools. And I started saying, you know what? I can help you with that. I can help you with that. And so I quickly um, took on more projects and being an event planner, event producer, working with lots of different personalities over the course <laughs> of almost 20 years and being on many different sides and angles, um, it really was a huge benefit to have that skill set to work on projects um, and also within the government they like to hire people who've been in the private sector because it gives them a different um, look on on something that you may have a lot of eyes on and all it takes is one person who has not been in the government to say I would do it this way you know and being able to do it like we talked about before you can have an idea, but you have to have a solution. And that's the main thing that event planning taught me is that in the end, the event was going to happen and it needed to be right. And sometimes we can get so tunnel vision that somebody coming from the outside can just give us that perspective that yes. we need to create that solution. Right. There's something to be said about fresh eyes. And I believe that because I literally have brought up and implemented a few things that seemed like 
not a big deal to me. <laughs> but to them. But to them, they're like, oh. So it's it's been very rewarding. I'm going on six years now wow. as a federal contractor. Um, and I have to say, it's it's been very rewarding. I've been very proud of some of the work that I've been able to do to implement new processes within the government. It's hard to do that. Um, and so I don't know that I have another six years in me, you know, but in, as long as I can affect change in what I'm doing, um, but I am going to shift over to the wellness and yoga realm, um, and I'm doing a little bit of that now. Well, I just wanted to repeat something that uh, I, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, David Adler just a couple of days ago, uh, founder and CEO of BizBash, one of the most prevalent event organization, magazine, newsletter, conferences in the world. And one of the first things he, we talked about was how when President Obama came into office, the first thing he did was call his friend David Axelrod and say, how do you plan a good event? Mm-hmm. And he, he was went on a, a tangent about the fact that if you want to be big in politics, you have to know how to run events. And so here you've taken your event experience to the government sector. And I can only imagine you, you did probably something as simple as, as like folding a napkin and <laughs> They all thought you were like some kind of rocket scientist <laughs> folding it. So uh, I think that's absolutely wonderful that that, that that has parlayed that way. And then where did the yoga come from? Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. Monica's, well, I just Monica's wanted to got take it back a little bit because of the times that we're going through right now, mm-hmm. uh, the elephant in the room, you know, yes. COVID, mm-hmm. um, how that has shifted all of our lives. Um, yes. When we first started speaking, we talked about how we're all living outside, how we've got our vegetable gardens, you know, all those different things. But with your pivoting even before COVID, how do you think that that would benefit? Because we've got a lot of event professionals mm-hmm. that are, you know, that are at a loss because, yes, 12 million jobs are affected by what's going on. How would you recommend not just the existing event people, but, mm-hmm. you know, the younger generation that's coming into the industry that would like to come into the industry? My niece, I know, and she's taken this time to uh, to keep get her master's and so on. What should they do? I mean, you took your social we're going to call it social and corporate mm-hmm. work planning um, into the business world, uh, the government world, and all those tools still work. Mm-hmm. And so we, we we can't miss on that little nugget that you gave us earlier. So that's right. They uh, All the skills were relevant because instead of an event, it was a project. And whatever the project was, you could apply all of the same um, tools in your toolbox, so to speak. And I would say during this time, and I, I feel very fortunate, knock on everything, where you know I am teleworking um, and my team, most we all are teleworking, we're not. Um, and I feel very grateful to have a job um, and we're still able to do what we did at work. Um, and it does look different. But I would say for people who either, and this is funny you brought this up because I worked with people in the federal government who came to me and said, I really want to do event planning. 
<laughs> you no, said, no, 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 stay away, stay away. Really? Because one of them was like, I'm a federal contractor, and if you know the government, it's a difference between being a Fed and a contractor. They were a Fed, and I'm like, no, you don't. So I said, but what I would say, and I've had a lot of um, when I was an event planner, and I think you always are an event planner because my whole life is run like an event. Um, is that you want to say if you're prepared to stand up for 15 hours and really be in charge and be ready to make some very quick decisions um, that is what event planning is but um, is to be able to make someone else's dreams come true um, which was always my favorite part but make sure it's done right but I would say for people who during the COVID take the skills that you have and see where you can apply them you know sometimes we have to get outside of our box which is exactly what I did you know I would have I didn't even come consciously think about the skill set that I had and how that would relate to my work that I was doing until I was doing it. And so now if I look back, my advice would be, you know, if you're very good at organizing or you like to make those crazy workflows, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a if need for that. If you have an obsession for if spreadsheets. Have, right, if you love <laughs> spreadsheets. I mean, I did not know a lot about Excel, but the fact that I had to create budgets for my clients in Excel... And then trust me, Google teaches you everything else you need to know about Excel. But I would say that there are so many skills with someone in the event industry that you just have to look into something else you may want to do and then think about how the skills that you have can fit into that. Um, Because I even apply it in my yoga and how I teach and how I prepare my yoga flow and how I prepare to teach. You know, everything that I learned that was important in creating and producing an event is is important in almost everything that's done so it doesn't like if you want to go into flowers or you want to write um i always wanted to write a book about event planning i happened to write it about something else but (laughs) you know but it's just um i think that people it, it looks different now and they should talk to like your niece it's it's a wealth of knowledge to talk to and have family that's been in the business but i always say pick a mentor talk to that person and just sitting at the table ideas come out like just don't close yourself off well as your mother passed down skill sets to you and influenced so many lives you have had young people work for you we have for us a few years back your son worked for us and now our daughter's (laughs) working for you yeah uh but but i as you were saying that about how your skill set uh really helped you in, in, in ways you never even imagined. Um, many of our people who have worked for us over recent years and in and, and, and the core of the, our biggest part of our growth, we luckily had a lot of kids that were the right age, like our nieces, nephews, and children. And, um, and many of them have told us that their successes in the professional life, ages 25 to 35, mm-hmm. uh, the reason they advance so quickly is the skills that they learned from us between 16 and 24. And um, one of them, uh, Josh Anderson, one of our absolute uh, best children of our company, uh, with us for 10 years. We adopt them all. Yeah, we, but, but Josh was <laughs> a special, just a, a really special kid. And when he um, graduated from MC at the top of his class, um, he gave us his gold sash. Um, oh, my yeah. gosh. And, You're not and, supposed to make us cry. Yeah, yeah but but right. but but he went on to be a programmer for um, one of the large medical companies in town, and um, 
He became a programmer right out of school. He went from zero to a near six-figure career almost overnight and in, in, a, in an incoming class of like 100 people. And he would send me all of his progress reports from his, from his uh, uh, supervisor. Mm-hmm. And he was climbing up the ladder, getting raises every few months because he had the ability to see a problem differently than all the nerds that were the other programmers around him because he worked in the wedding and bar mitzvah market as a photo booth <laughs> right. operator. And he knew how to attack any problem, mm-hmm. screaming clients, kids driving him crazy, and he learned composure. And he, he learned, learned all about the solutions. It has to be all and, about solutions. And we were so. talking about that, that, <laughs> that you aren't faced with the event not happening. The event has to happen, as we talked about. And being on that side of it, I mean, I literally sat at the table with directors. And you have to realize, like, you have to fix it. So I actually became known. It's funny because they started calling me the hammer from my previous name which the funny thing was is that um, one of my clients gave me a hammer one of my event clients and wrote to the hammer and so um, unbeknownst to one of my federal supervisors they're like this is like Harvey Keitel Keitel is that how you say Keitel. that's how I was referred to like <laughs> that they, she comes in and she hammers it and I was very proud of that and two quick stories so I had an intern in the event business and she I asked her to do graphics for me she'd never done graphics before she had a Mac and she learned to do it subsequently after she was my intern she started having customers that paid her to do graphics she ended up with a yoga studio that her boyfriend owned and she did all of their um, logos and graphics so that was it was I can't and I can't remember the second story (laughs) but it doesn't matter but I think the point is is that learning to work the problem um, is life so when you really think about it we have these crazy skills in the event industry that we uh i believe you just have them you know like not everyone can produce event not anyone everyone has that type of composure not everyone can find the solution but, but and we're people people and we're people people and you have to deal with all sorts of personalities so every single like aspect of an event is like every single aspect of life you know how you approach it what are you going to focus on are you going to focus on the problem or the solution are you going to focus on that maybe someone's in a bad mood because they have a good reason or they didn't have a great start to the morning it doesn't matter like you just move on and And you you don't absorb it because it's it's not yours it's something that's happened how do you solve it and it's life those are these are life skills I know it right it sounds crazy like we as event well me as a prior event professional these are life skills this is how you can turn inward into your own life well and and we came up with that also with everything that's happening and we pivoted and we went into the virtual world we had we had an idea of what the virtual world was all about but really we didn't you know and so we put all of our experience all of our tools what's our end goal our end goal Mm -hmm. is to make everyone happy make everybody enjoy make everybody be a part of this moment especially during these times these these special moments you know are very important and that 
really allowed us to, you know, so we pivoted. And that is what you're telling us that you've done right. uh, even before now and probably many years to come because now you, you know, as I was doing my research and I told you this, I put the first thing I put is like Energizer Bunny. <laughs> it's like I, you've done so much and now you've got, you've gone into your own company, which is called Woga. Woga. Uh, which, which yoga mm -hmm. and tell us a little bit about that and all your certifications with vinyasa and I pronounced it correctly. You did. So tell us a little bit more about that. So uh, WOGA came about. Um, originally, uh, the W was going to stand for work and yoga because I was trying to... I kept thinking about work-life balance and how everybody says, you can have it. And I even taught yoga for some of the staff at the agency that I'm working for. Um, but they're really, in my opinion, it's, you know, work balance, usually there's a cutoff. You go to work, then you work out or do something healthy or before work. So I was trying to think of, oh, you could do yoga at work. And that was the original thought for WOGA. And so I started to go through the process of trademarking WOGA, but just the word, not, not what the W stood for. And then I started to go into a little bit more like, well, the W is the why. Like the W is the who, what, why, where. It is the, the wow. It's the, the wow. It's the <laughs> wellness. And then I'm like, wait, I can't narrow it to just work. It's everything. It's literally the W stands for everything. We, women, whatever, whoa, wellness. So it became wellness plus yoga. Um, and it became a platform where I wanted to share that it's a lifestyle, not just a yoga a sequence. And that, you know, in our life, this lifestyle has to be weaved through your daily life. It doesn't begin and end at nine o'clock and then you switch to my desk job and then I switch back to something else. It literally, like, the lives do uh, weave together and they do intermingle. And to pull it apart is, a, is in my opinion, a mistake. So, so It adds more stress that you don't need yeah. when you're trying to do yoga, especially, right. and you're trying to balance everything. There's no exactly. guilt needed. No, because how many times did you wake up and say, oh, I didn't work out? And then you feel like crap. Can I say that? You can. You yes. feel like crap because, um, and for what? You literally have set yourself up, feel terrible, go through your day. When if you just incorporate breathing, because what is yoga? Yoga is breath. Yoga is stillness. Yoga is movement. So our lives are yoga. You know, yoga isn't just a sequence. Um, and so that is really what I want to um, promote, if that's the right word, and share is this wellness plus yoga um, and that you can have it all, but you have to give yourself a break because it just is life. Um, and then uh, I also got certified in yoga for cancer. Um, after I was certified in vinyasa, I'd been doing yoga on and off for like 20 years. Um, and I really enjoyed doing yoga, but I never put forward the effort to get certified until 2014 when um, I just decided that I would do it. Still working in the event industry, um, the programs that the certifications that were available were only on the weekends. And so for me, that's when we work <laughs> on the weekends. And so I could not find a certification program um, that fit my schedule until I was visiting my parents in Florida um, and I walked into... It always into, goes back to our it parents. It always does. <laughs> I walked into a studio in Delray. They were starting a teacher certification on the weekends and when I looked at their weekend schedule, 
all but one over the course of seven months I was working and I thought this is it it was meant to be and it turned out the woman who owned the studio was doing a yoga festival that she needed help planning with (laughs) so so it was meant to be (laughs) so how are you balancing something that's about wellness and working for the federal government at the same time I mean in today's climate that unto itself deserves some kind of big award it does thank you (laughs) but that's where the WOGA originally came because as the federal government promotes work-life balance and I was working on a very the very same program to help promote wellness and life work balance work-life balance I realized that it isn't you know it is hard to balance both and that instead of trying to separate it you have to incorporate it and embrace, so, it. embrace it because the the imbalance when you take the definition apart it's I'm balanced and so you have to flip it incorporate it embrace it because I think you spend too much time and energy trying to fit it into its own separate space like it needs to be part of what you do now can you sit at your desk and lift weights probably not so yeah you may have to do that when you're not like at your desk but there's a lot of things you could do at your desk uh, like breathing and a lot of yoga moves that you could do in a chair and a lot of things like when I'm when I'm at the scale or I'm doing like Pilates moves, but but I think I am. I'm like. But you look really good doing Pilates moves, and some and of us. Well. And maybe not every federal space will be happy, but I think it's the mindset of of choosing to incorporate it and embrace it rather than feel like you have to separate it out. So working in the federal government actually made me realize that the work life balance. Um, needs to be looked at different and it's not a linear thing right like you said it it goes it, it interweaves yes. with your whole life in order for you to really be able to embrace it and enjoy it and take advantage of it it does and and to be honest with you and in all fairness the government um, in different sectors and it depends have all tried to incorporate wellness programs um, into uh, you know for their employees as benefits and but it was because of what I was looking at and what I was trying to um, put together for them that I realized um, it doesn't have to be a choice of this or that. It can be both. But your expectations of what both will look like has to be different. And that's where the weaving And for everyone. And for everyone. It's different. It's it's different. And maybe someone has the kind of schedule where they want to just, you know, work and then work out. But you're still thinking about it. No one could tell me that if you have a 5.30 class, 5.30 p.m., you are not thinking about it the whole day because it (laughs) affects what you wear. It affects what you eat. So you're still thinking about it. You're still thinking about that 5.30 p.m. class. And so give yourself a break and incorporate some of the wellness into your day. Well. I just want to say that I'm hoping that as much as podcasts are audible, um, that people take an opportunity because we're going to put this video particularly uh, onto our Facebook page uh, when when the podcast launches. I, I want to just share with the two beautiful women that are sitting here in front of me, both in my wife, Monica, and Debbie, who have both dealt with some pretty serious medical issues in their respective lives. Uh, there was a time not much more than a decade ago where 
my wife was having trouble walking because of foot problems and we found a miracle doctor and every time I watch her walk up one stair let alone a flight of stairs uh, medical wonderfulness and it, it's just amazing to me and Debbie since we've known each other since we were in our 20s um, I remember when you were about 30 that you were in a near life death situation and I'm going to let you just talk about that in a moment without having to go into the into the deep of your medical records. But you, you really had a near death experience uh, with with issues twenty uh, odd years ago, and then wrote a book about it. Uh, what a half a dozen, six or seven years ago, and now I'm looking at you, beautiful woman, uh, with your yoga composure, with all the things that you're talking about in wellness. Tell, tell everybody just a short version of your of your journey and your book, and, and and I'll just add that I remember right before your book was published. And you were telling me about it because I remember for a year while you were writing it and then you're, you, you you called me up on a whim and you're like, I, I need a picture for the back of my book and then blah, 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 but I don't really have time and if you don't have time, we don't have to do it. I'll just, I'll have somebody <laughs> in the house take a picture, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I- I'll be there in an hour and I, and, and, and ironically, even though we're not supposed to talk about this, n- now that, now that Deanna, now that our daughter is working for you and she just saw the book for the first time and there she sees the, the picture of you when, when you were really in in the worst of it all mm-hmm. and then the beautiful picture we did by the pool as your as your I'm all better picture so about that story so uh thank you <laughs> so uh when I was 30 I was um actually two years before that um I had a lot of numbness and tingling and didn't know and I had a two two young children at the time um so for two years we tried to find out what was wrong and I think this is even relevant today and then there's a chapter in my book about being um self-advocate because you know your body and you know something's wrong and sometimes you can't see what's wrong and in my case there was a tumor in my spinal cord and my c-spine so it was uh, c2 to c7 but I didn't know that all I knew is that I didn't feel right so being a young mother and a woman the doctors immediately thought I was stressed out <laughs> and then I was sent to therapist and, and you were a party planner on and top I was of that a party planner and it was <laughs> like no I'm not it's like you know we we really do know what's going on in our bodies and I think that um, I learned a lot during that time to listen to my body, and I'm sure Monica. Oh, I can, I can definitely, as Jack mentioned, I, I remember so many times just coming home at 6 p.m. and saying, "I'm done," and everybody telling me, "Oh, it's this, it's that," and, and nobody could understand that. Just I couldn't carry my bones with me, you know, right. and, and I was just so tired. It. So it, it just, you have to be your own advocate. If you know there's something wrong, as you said, you have to just keep on going. And until somebody like you had somebody mm-hmm. heard you, I had someone who also listened to me and, you know, and I am here. better. And you're better. <laughs> a nice Orthodox Jewish doctor with a bow tie. Who's a singer in an eighties band, which just kind of like, just who makes would it have thought, right. <laughs> and mine was, um, um, a, a New York baseball loving, unfortunately, he's no longer alive. Um, but the first doctor did find, um, after a series of tests and MRIs, found that I had this tumor and it was pressing on my right side, which was causing all of the issues that I had been telling doctors about the numbness and tingling and dropping. So it was a non cancerous tumor, but it was rare in the cervical spine in an adult. It's a pediatric tumor, which I was a gymnast and I never knew I had. Um, and so what entailed the following year was uh, a surgery that they ended up not being able to remove the tumor and then six weeks of radiation um, and a roller coaster ride of steroids 
Um, and what I'm left with as I sit here today is um, after finding Dr. Fred Epstein, who is my Dr. God, <laughs> who unfortunately left this earth way too soon, um, is that I have 90% of the tumor was removed. Um, I had radiation. I was a righty. Now I'm a lefty. Um, you know, there. I sit here with a different and I think more positive appreciation of life. I did about a year of radio um, about the book, its point of view on dying and living. And it's interesting because I wasn't going to put a lot of pictures. And my uncle, who passed away in 2014, he said, "You, the pictures tell the story. Because it wasn't just about my illness, which was its own ordeal, but my appearance changed completely. Dramatically. Dramatically. And that's where the picture that Jack took was so important because I had two pictures on the cover. There's a picture of me right before my second surgery in 1997 up in New York. Um, and the picture of what I looked like that day. Um, I remember seeing them. I was like, no, and, this is not the same person. And people, when I did a couple little book tours and this and that, they said, well, who's that? on the left if you're looking at her maybe it was her. and I'm like that's me and they're like there's no way and I think that when people are sick and I experience this I was treated differently I was treated because I didn't look like I did on the other side right. um, and that is something that um, I, I learned a, a big lesson don't judge a book by its cover but um, I I think my children because they were young at the time grew up with more compassion um, than maybe they would have so I believe everything happens for a reason um, but the illness came at a time in my life um, where I was a young mother I don't ask why anymore because I think it had its reasons and I your path and it's my path and I I became a different person I became I think more compassionate um Definitely, even though I'm the energizer bunny and that I want to keep doing a lot of different things, I can appreciate the moment when you slow down and know how important that is. Um, and I think that my kids grew up with a mother that was sick for several years and then couldn't go on rides and, you know, can't do rollerblade, like just things that you would think you would do, but they understood. And so they grew up, um, and I talk about it in my book too, and it was important to me for the book, I wanted it to be like a diary because I couldn't find a lot of books or, or uh, mainly books on people who had a non-cancerous but life-threatening tumor. Most of the people, the books are, you know, around uh, self-help books on cancer, other types of illness. But this, but this tumor was life-threatening, but it couldn't metastasize. But they treated it like it was cancer. So the doctors would you know, categorize me that way with the cancer group. However, I wasn't. And so I wanted to share my story in hopes that other folks who... Might feel in limbo. That's, it sounds right. like... It's like, it's a little bit of limbo. It's like, I, I experienced so many of what a cancer patient would through radiation. However, I didn't experience chemo. In fact, when I was given one to three months to live because the tumor had grown, um, they wanted to do chemo and we said no. Um, I don't let's, know let's why we said no. Let's just pause for a second. When, <laughs> when I have a, a, a beautiful woman here in front of me uh, who has crested 50 years of age and 20 years ago... No, we have she, no. 20 years ago, uh, you were given 
one to three months to live and we're sitting here on a beautiful blue sky day having a conversation about this tell us the name of the book where it's available I know that's not what was on our script to talk about today I know all of a sudden but uh, you know what it, it's, and it's not just because of the book cover photo uh, it's a very poignant book I think it could be very motivational to a lot of people the name of the book is and where, it's, where is it available it's a point of view on dying and living or living and dying and it's available on Amazon um, and I have copies as well so you could email me and we could send out the information. And what's the best email to get to you? It is Debbie at WYogaTeacher.com. We'll have a link to your book on on the show notes. We'll put the Amazon link there. And and you also have a very unique uh, Instagram page. I with do. a very unique name too so don't go looking for Debbie on Instagram because nothing <laughs> about D-E-B is going to be there tell everybody the name of your Instagram page so the Instagram is breathe.go.live and that is how I approach every day you have to take a breath in you gotta go and you gotta live so again uh, contacting Debbie all the information on her social channel and the link to see her book to buy her book uh, is uh, will be available in the show notes and I, I just want to say that that the way you talk about the fact that it was a non-cancerous yet life-threatening tumor um, I just to the listening audience if you've been battling any kind of an illness or you know somebody who has um, hope is a really important thing positive attitude is a really important thing 20 years ago someone told you you had less than three months to live here we are 20 years later you're as healthy as the day is long uh and and i think that's super inspirational to to a lot of people and and should never be overlooked that that our inner strength can sometimes overcome all the other challenges Mm -hmm. that's that's exactly right and that also, I think, brings us to how we ran into each other without knowing we were going to be at the same event, and that is the longevity uh, yes. event. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned how you, people start looking at you differently when they know that you've got, you're sick, you know, mm-hmm. that you've got an illness. And that event, uh, and again, I had no idea you were going to be there, and all of a sudden we run into each other. But it was all about from our side from the photographic side it was about taking the patients and giving them a makeover and and taking a photo of them and making them feel good as they are in their recovery or as Mm -hmm. in their in their next stage of of their illness um and that just to me was i mean i i think i was taking photos and couldn't focus the camera because i was crying every now and then and it became more than just um the makeover and became making people uh, making them smile you know making them feel good about themselves and they were in a community where everybody understood what they were going and then all of a sudden i see you teaching you <laughs> yoga down you know on the other side of the ballroom right. which was amazing and, and just how did you get involved with them it's it's such a funny story so um Becky Bull, who worked with Suburban Hospital, um, she called me and asked me if I could help with the event itself, just the longevity. This this goes uh, back to the event. They keep dragging back you back event. in. And so we met for coffee on my lunch break from work, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we started talking. And I, uh, she was asking me like who I knew, and they were putting together vendors. And then I said, you know, I I teach yoga, and I don't honestly remember if she brought it up or I brought it up. 
about the yoga, but then a co someone who runs the events, uh, Diane, Diana, she um, she asked me if I would if I would teach because I was going to set I set up a table with my book, right? And then she said, well, could you also teach yoga? Um, and longevity, I didn't know a lot about um, the organization in the beginning, but my uncle passed away in 2014 from non-smokers lung cancer. It's my mom's brother. Um, and I was extremely close, close with him. He was a um, very accomplished author um, and had did some TV, and he was just like a second father to me. And so I would do anything for longevity because, because of him. Um, and this year, I actually... They two virtual events and I did virtual yoga both times um, but that's how I got involved is that I was um, signing books and giving them um, to the survivors uh, and then I taught this like 30 I think it was 30 minute this 30 minute class but when I walked in and saw what you guys and now I'll probably start crying we'll have a cry fest where's the tissues Jack um, is that if someone could have done that for me when I was 30 and this is why I got certified in yoga for cancer because when you're sick or surviving or going through treatment, you don't know what you can do and you immediately think you can't. Um, and so I would have loved if someone made me feel pretty right. when I didn't look pretty. And when I saw what you were doing, um, it's so important that not only does someone else say to you here I'm going to put makeup on you and I'm going to take a picture of you but for that person to actually feel that they there's a there's like I would look in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself and so therefore I didn't I didn't I couldn't appreciate me I I knew I was I knew I was I had a battle and I was you know digging deep and that's really like what I did the rodeo spots I mean they would like well how do you recover from being told you had one to three months to live you have the strength in you to do it but what I didn't have is that I didn't feel pretty I didn't feel appreciated not by not family I'm just talking about strangers and so the fact that you were there and at whatever stage somebody was in and made them feel pretty and just made them smile well like, it was that's it the i mean thank that's yous. It. the thank yous that were coming around <laughs> yeah. and people were coming can can we have another one you know to me for them to say that was uh, please you know you can well for the listening come audience as many because as you want. this is audible not visual what yeah. were you doing at the conference there when you ran into debbie well, we did. So what we did was there was an area where the survivors and all, what would we call? Were, well, it's a survivorship organization. So it's for people who have are survivors of lung cancer. And are still going through treatment. And are still, some of treatment. them might have had treatment. Some of them might be in remission. Some of them, uh, there. but it is a, I think they refer to themselves as uh, survivors. And if I remember correctly, I think, Debbie, that you recommended us to this job. And it started off as just photography, or not just, but to do photography coverage. Mm -hmm. And as we spoke uh, to Becky, it developed into a photo station. Uh, so we were creating these beautiful portraits of these uh, women, people, women and men, I, I believe, mm -hmm. um, throughout the whole day. And we had, there were makeup artists and then they came to us. And when we, when they came to our station, it they were a little shy at first. And when we started creating these portraits, they were just, 
so happy. They were in, in awe that, like you said, they couldn't realize, oh my goodness, you know, how beautiful I look. And they are beautiful inside and out, but mm-hmm. we don't always think about that when we're going through you know any kind of illness we just feel worn down and not happy with ourselves and and I think the the joy in me was when they kept coming back for more can we have more and I just said of course as many as you want and they were bringing their friends and their family members and it just became a very very special you know time for them and they got to have prints of their photos and also email you know, email so that they, they can send it. To they people. can share it to every with everyone, and which was really cool. It's it it was, and I I was so happy that when I was sitting with Becky that day, and I'm always you you and your company and with Jack are always my first thought when everyone says, "Do you know a photographer for good <laughs> or for bad <laughs> for jobs we haven't have not done?" <laughs> but you know, it's just a testament to what happens when you talk to someone about what they need and then sometimes what they want comes out too and I think that's just a really important thing is sometimes people don't even know what they want until they start talking and that's why I'm a firm believer of like sometimes I don't have the answer but when you sit down and start to explore it and this is most of what happened with Becky is um, that could have been something she was thinking on thinking of and and I know when you look different from what you normally look like and it's hard for a lot of people to imagine because when you have certain treatments either you lose your hair or you're on medications and you gain weight and you literally like my I literally did not look like myself at all all um and it's hard to love that person back in the mirror because you don't recognize that person you don't know if it's going to last forever they tell you oh no it'll change but and you're so tired from treatments and just lugging around this new you in my book that's what I say like this was a it was a new me it was a different me I didn't know what to do with that me um and so to give someone that smile and that spark um will forever I know that they will forever cherish that and 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 with that that's what I do with the yoga with yoga for cancer is that my uncle um unbeknownst to him that I was looking to get certified when I went to visit him before he passed away in Vegas he went to a yoga for cancer class and you know talk about all these signs coming into your brain I was in New York and saw a flyer that I'm in Vegas and my uncle's actually doing a yoga for cancer class participating in one on the floor on a mat that's all he could muster um so it took five years to get to the course from my you know um but but that is also the reason because yoga is can be for everybody um, except it needs to be safe and there is a difference in the yoga flow and what a cancer survivor patient and their caretaker can do and cannot do and I was surprised to learn certain poses which may or may not work for someone so it's like it's like just continues to give you know um, and I think the more that you see the survivor, and the survivor can see themselves where they are in that moment. Because that's what they have, right? They have that moment. They may not, they don't know. We all don't know if we have five years, 10 years, but we have that moment. So the best we can be in that moment, whether we look that good, we feel good, we exercise. I think all that contributes to being a survivor longer. Today is all we have. That's it. And without a camera involved, it's still a wow moment if you add a camera, it becomes a visual 
wow moment. It does. So, Debbie, just a quick recap, coming back to your your beautiful yoga bar in in your backyard and the health and what you're doing right now for for the people that are coming to you. Is that a business? Is it a hobby? What are you doing in that gorgeous yard, which to me was a gorgeous dressing room for a beautiful bride, I might just add. (laughs) That was just like a mere two months ago. But uh, it's a very unique uh, old barn in the woods near your next to your house and and uh, between what you and Eric have done with it it's it's super cool spiral so staircase cool. and it's like big enough for like a large lawnmower and yet it like has so much room in it it's really cool <laughs> so what is the yoga barn all about and what are you doing for your classes and and uh, etc cetera, etc cetera? so the um, the yoga barn was uh, it's one of the uh, oldest and few that are left carriage houses in Montgomery County um, that are registered with the county oh. um, and so in itself it's historic so we couldn't alter the outside of it and so we went on the inside uh, and it for we believe it was built in 1880 um, and there's a whole thing that I'll connect this in that's a, in, why the central air conditioning in there is so 1880s style right. you open up the front door and you open up the back door and the and, air conditions yep. right through it and it did not have um, a firm fixed floor when we bought the house. And people who had lived in the house before used it for storage. Um, but I saw something else, you know, with the yoga, with my yoga, um, I saw a retreat. I saw somewhere where I could go um, in this busy life where I could share yoga. So it wasn't just about, it wasn't building it for me. I was building it um so that I could share yoga and have a place where I could feel that peaceful feeling because as we all know crazy house loud house dogs kids um sure I could do it there but uh in the house but so Eric saw my vision Eric's my husband for those of you who don't know my great new, great my new husband um, and Eric will literally build anything for me Eric didn't know he could build things until he started to build something <laughs> so it's kind of funny when we look back now that we were terrified of upholstering chairs and he literally built a yoga barn so um, but we just um, we took the floor out we literally gutted it um, and it slowly became we made choices about what to keep not to touch Uh, and I also tried to imagine like who lived there who um, you know who lived there who uh, who slept there what was this carriage house all about so now a year later it's transformed into this very cool rustic um, retreat uh, where I uh, because of the the pandemic the the goal was to see um, people one-on-one or in small groups um, in the yoga barn and right now I'm not able to do that so I do zoom um, and I was starting with zoom on my little tablet and then Eric's like we gotta go big or go home so now I have three screens (laughs) and two uh webcams um, and I teach regular classes uh, and just looking forward to more opportunities where I can share it with the uh, cancer community as well as um, I do free classes for the teachers at the kids school because everyone needs a break Um, and so it's really become uh, more than just a place to go and do yoga the minute I walk in there it's I can feel it and you have your new site for WOGA and I have my new website for yoga um, and WOGA itself is now reg- a registered trademark um, and you know what I don't have any uh, as Eric would say firm fixed 
plan on what it should look like, I'm letting it evolve. I used to think it was really funny where people would say like, it's organic or what's the saying when people say um, when things happen organically. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't really know what that means. But now I know what it means. <laughs> so again, we're Debbie, all learning what that right, means. It I means bet. to let go of an expectation and just let go it with roll. The flow. Go with the flow. Let it roll out. Um, I think I'm the luckiest guy in the world to have been sitting outside all day with the two of you. It's been very, very special. Debbie, you have so many incredible facets, good, bad, and ugly, that has happened in your life through uh, umpteen years. Uh, We have covered a a lot of them in this episode, (laughs) things I didn't think we were actually going to get to. All, again, your social channels, your uh, link to get your book and all that will be in our show notes, and I hope everybody uh, takes a look at that, checks out Debbie's website and Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. Just want to not only thank you for coming on board, for hanging out with us on on the patio for the day, the dogs haven't barked in like an hour it's been totally awesome Um, and also to kind of um, we spoke about it earlier that Monica is starting another show on Wednesdays uh, Mm -hmm. as we do event stuff on Tuesdays and photography stuff on Fridays and I'm it sounds to me if I was overhearing the conversation that you might be popping in as a co-host or a a guest once in a while on our Wednesday show I think so I think we've got something going on here that's awesome and I'm excited about it and I think this is great what you guys um, have started and I can't wait to see all the places it goes. Well, we appreciate that very much. To the listening audience, thanks so much for checking in. I know this is not the normal kind of episode that we do, the interview that we do. Um, Debbie brings a lot of interesting things to our table, both from her event side and from our photography side. They've all been merged together for so many years, and we just thought this was a nice change of pace for us. So, uh, Relationships. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. And and, uh, and to the other side, when we all get there, uh, a happier and a brighter place. Uh, thank you again for coming by. Thank Thank you. Um, and uh, God, what a perfect day to be outside. Uh, listening audience, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Jack Hartsman, your host. We're here with my lovely wife, Monica. Thanks, Debbie. Thank you, Monica and Jack. <laughs> and we're out. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Visual Wow. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and tell your friends. Go to visualwow.com for more info. If you didn't like what you heard, just keep it to yourself. Know a pro we should be talking to on the show? Drop us a line. Talk with you next time on Visual Wow.